go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. This is me, that's him, and we're going to talk about Venom today. What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, with uh, no further adieu, let's do this. All right. So while exploring space for new habitable worlds, a probe belonging to the Bioengineering Corporation Life Foundation discovers a comet covered in symbiotic life forms. They bring four samples back to Earth. I almost said fourth. They bring back fourth. They bring four samples back to Earth, but one escapes and causes the ship to crash in Malaysia. The Life Foundation recovers the other three and transports them to their research facility in San Francisco, where their CEO, Carlton Drake, learns that the symbiotes cannot survive without oxygen-breathing hosts, which uh, they often reject the symbiosis. Investigative journalist Eddie Brock reads about Drake's human trials in a classified document in the possession of his fiance Anne Wang. Wang? Wang? Let's just say Wang. An attorney involved in preparing a lawsuit defense for Life Foundation. Brock confronts Drake, leading to both Brock and Wang losing their jobs, which also ends their relationship together. Six months later, Drake... Ends whose relationship together? Well, I don't think he has a relationship with Drake, so he apparently, I mean, the other one, I mean, isn't that... Ends the relationship with Wang. Six months later, Drake is getting closer to achieving successful symbiosis. Brock is approached by Doris Skirth, one of Drake's scientists who discovers with his methods and wants to... Disagrees. God damn it. (laughs) Disagrees with his methods and wants to help Brock expose him. She helps Brock break into the research facility to search for evidence. And he learns that an acquaintance of his, a homeless woman named Maria, has become one of Drake's test subjects. He attempts to rescue Maria, but she attacks him, and the symbiote possessing her transfers from her body to his, leaving her dead. Brock escapes, but he soon begins displaying strange symptoms and reaches out to Wang for help. Her new boyfriend, Dr. Dan Lewis, examines Brock and discovers the symbiote. Meanwhile, Drake executes Skirth for a betrayal by exposing her to the remaining captive symbiote, which ultimately dies. This leads to symbiote inside Brock as the only known surviving specimen. Drake sends mercenaries to retrieve the symbiote from Brock, but it takes over Brock's body and transforms him into a monstrous creature that fights off the attackers. Taking shelter outside the city, the symbiote communicates with Brock and introduces itself as Venom. It, it explains that the comet is an invasion force searching for new worlds where the symbiotes can possess and devour the inhabitants. Venom offers to spare Brock if he helps the symbiotes achieve their goal, and Brock soon comes to enjoy the superhuman attributes to the symbiote that the symbiote gives him. Brock breaks into his old workplace to turn, evi- in, turn in evidence of Drake's goal, and Brock soon comes to enjoy the superhuman attributes to the... Did I skip a line? Did I skip a line? Yes. <laughs> Venom offers to spare Brock if he helps the symbiote. No, no, no. Don't, don't. What are you doing? I don't even know where the fuck I am now. Brock breaks into his old workplace to turn in evidence of Drake's crimes, but he's surrounded by SWAT officers on the way out and transforms once again to escape. Wayne witnesses his transformation and takes Brock back to Lewis's office, where they reveal to Brock that the symbiote is slowly rotting his internal organs. Brock also admits that the symbiote has two weaknesses, high-pitched noises and fire. Although the symbiote claims the organ damage is a fixable part of the symbiosis, Wang uses an MRI machine to weaken the symbiote long enough for the for Brock for the Brock <laughs> to separate from it. Brock is then captured by Drake's men. Meanwhile, the fourth symbiote named Riot makes its way from Malaysia to San Francisco by hopping from body to body. It bonds with Drake, who agrees to take Riot in a Life Foundation space probe to collect the rest of the symbiotes and bring them to Earth for total domination. Wang reluctantly bonds with Venom so they can free Brock, 
and, and the pair attempt to stop Riot and Drake with Wayne's help. Venom damages the probe as it takes off. You completely skipped over an entire thing. Did I? I did. Wayne reluctantly bonds with Venom so they can free Brock. When Brock and Venom are bonded again, the latter states that he has been convinced to help protect the Earth from his kind through his interactions with Brock, and the pair attempt to stop Riot and Drake from Wayne's help. Venom damages the probe as it takes off, causing it to explode and kill both Riot and Drake. Wayne believes Brock is no longer bonded to Venom after this, and that the symbiote also died in the explosion. However, the pair remain secretly bonded and set out to protect the city by killing criminals. Brock also returns to journalism, and in a mid-credits scene, spoiler alert, he is invited to interview incarcerated serial killer Cletus Cassidy, and when he gets out, there's going to be carnage. All right. So, after seeing this movie twice, yes, I've spent 48 fucking dollars on this movie. It's your fault. Kids want to see it. Um... (laughs) I enjoyed this even less the second time. The first time, I liked it enough that I could watch it, but didn't hate it. This time, I watched it, and I'm just picking the fucker apart in it. Like, even the parts that I enjoyed, I didn't even enjoy as much the second time. It was like watching Suicide Squad for the second time, you know? I, you know, it just, it just, you know, whatever charm it did have was mostly gone the second time around. There was no surprises. So, um, this movie, to me, is... I'm 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 not as pissed off about the Venom treatment as he was treated in Spider-Man Three, but still, this whole movie is completely unnecessary. The it, and it's just it the 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 was it the story writing process on it just reminds me of how they were doing superhero movies in the '90s. You know, they're 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 not taking it seriously enough, the subject material ser- seriously enough. You know, and and it's just it felt lazy. There's disposable characters. Um, <laughs> wasted love interest, wasted you know actress of uh of Michelle Williams. I mean, she's a fucking awesome actress, and yet she's just thrown into this role to be that to just be the angry lover, you know. And uh, yeah, the movie. I mean, overall, the movie's a waste of time. And it, what what makes it even worse is that there are really cool moments that feel completely wasted because of how shitty the rest of the film is. You know, like the scene where. Venom and Riot are fighting each other at the end of the film and they start blending together and you see like the 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 McFarlane style like where they're all like broken apart and shit and you can see everybody all, all their faces and everything and in this mishmash um, of symbiotes and humans it, it looked really fucking cool but it like it didn't matter because the rest of the movie sucked so it was it's just wasted you know just a couple good things don't make up for a shitty movie and that's what this ultimate ultimately ends up being is a shitty movie. Yeah? Where do I start? <laughs> start with the fact that uh, they created Venom without uh, him going into Spider-Man first. Hey, at least they didn't put a spider on his chest. That would have been fucking insulting. It, it, why? Well, because why would there be a spider on his chest if he didn't come from the from the Spider-Man, uh, from Peter Parker first, wearing the spider suit? Doesn't he wear, doesn't he have the spider on his chest with, with uh, Eddie Brock? No. In the comic, of course, but not in not in this movie. This movie, he never had the Spider-Man. That's what shoes. I asked. Yeah, never. In the comic. In the comic, yes, absolutely. I want to double check that. <sighs> yeah, it's just like a you know like mutated, exaggerated version of it, but it is a spider. Eddie. Oh no, that's what the way that McFarlane drew him. The first problem with this movie is Avi Arad. <laughs> This is the guy that, you know, he, he was the CEO of Toy Biz. 
He became the chief creative officer of Marvel Entertainment, a Marvel director and chairman, and the founder of Marvel Studios. But that's pretty much where it stops. Let's just give you an idea of his filmography. Okay. <laughs> Double Dragon, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, The Bots Master, Iron Man 94, Fantastic Four 94, Spider-Man 94, The Hulk 96, uh, Generation X, Silver Surfer 98, Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1998. That's the one with David Hasselhoff, by the way. Blade, one of the few good ones, Spider-Man Unlimited, The Avengers, X-Men Evolution, X-Men, Blade 2, uh, Spider-Man 2002, Daredevil, X2, The Hulk 2003, Punisher, Spider-Man 2, Blade Trinity, <coughs> Elektra, Man-Thing, Fantastic Four, The Last Stand, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, Bratz. He's a producer on Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, Robo Sapien, <coughs> Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, The Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Tarzan and Jane, Kong, King of the Apes, um, Ghost in the Shell, Spider-Man Homecoming, but... His it's only in name it's in name only he had nothing to do with that movie, and he's producing Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which actually looks pretty amazing. The reason why I'm re reading off this entire list now, you take out the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, those movies, um, and Spider Man One and Spider Man Two that um, who's he what's he directed Sam, Sam Raimi. And then you have the rest of the movies that he is responsible for because he is responsible for those movies. Those movies are ones that he was directly involved in, got his hands in, and somehow these movies, every time he touches these fucking movies, they, they go to shit. Aired resigned his various Marvel positions in 2006, including his leadership of Marvel Studios to form his own production company, Arid Productions. Although he's still producing projects for Marvel, his first feature outside Marvel was Bratz. Gives a shit. Fucked up Ghost in the Shell, an adaptation of Brandon Mull's bestseller teenage fantasy Fable Haven, James Patterson's Maximum Ride, uh, two plony, stony PlayStation properties, Uncharted and Infamous, or Infamous, and Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear. Um, the only thing that he really has any control over is is mostly the Sony stuff. So when that happens, you just it's gonna be crap. It's gonna be garbage. Amy Pascal. Wasn't she fired from from Sony? Possibly. Yep, she had been. Yeah, so she, Pascal has been fired by Sony. And and this is the reason why Pascal was fired by Sony because they continually produce shit for movies. I'm 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 really really happy that Dave Michelini and Todd McFarlane got their creation their creation into the movies. Venom is Dave Michelini's legacy. He's he's 70 years old. Um, he was a co-plotter inker on uh, Iron Man in the late 70s and the early 80s, which introduced the character's serious problem with alcoholism and his specialized power armor variants. And that's the, that's the stuff that they're using right now. A lot of the Dave Michelini stuff that was written between, let's just say, the end of 77, 78, all the way up through 80, let's say 85. It just gives you a better, it's a wider range, but <laughs> Michelini left Iron Man after issue 250, closing closing it out uh, with an Iron Man Doctor Doom time travel episode. 
But <clears throat> he was also one of the few writers on the Avengers, you know, with Byrne and Perez. Um, so his his influence on the movies and the comics is is well known. He and he helped Todd McFarlane craft and make Spider Man even better. Um, this is why this movie was supposed to be important to both of these people to get this character into the medium. Uh, first of all, is a success. Secondly, who the hell knows who Dave Michelini is other than me, you know, yeah. and a few and, and hardcore fans of Spider-Man and Todd McFarlane. Very few. And that's why I, I've, I've always liked the character when McFarlane and Michelini did them or did them uh, in, in that Spider-Man series because he was fucking ruthless. Yeah. And he fit with the Eddie Brock character, who was supposed to be this complete asshole. Yeah, who had it out for Peter Parker. Yeah, he was like a, he was like the opposite. He was like contrast. None of the characters are. F- Look, I, I I liked Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock in Venom. Okay, I liked. Um, I, I don't know who did he do the voice of Venom as well. I don't think he did, but I, I wouldn't put it past him. I was saying that he did. Uh, Michelle Williams looks like she's wearing a fucking wig throughout the entire movie. <laughs> she it does. It, lo- it looks like um, what's her name from uh, Fantastic Four? Okay, uh, I can't remember her name. <laughs> she was in Star Trek too. Okay, um, and then you have Riz Ahmed as Carlton Drake, who has uh, his charisma is shit. Yeah. You know, he's supposed to be a genius inventor and leader of the Life Foundation, experimenting on the symbiotes. You know, and then in this day and age, when you have characters like him that are manipulating the press and manipulating this and that, and saying, "Hey, you can't do this, you can't do that," it's it's this is the fucking Green Hornet all over again. Yeah. You know, where you where it's nothing but you know one guy trying to get the press to stay off his back and not report anything. And there's all this information that's already out there. Yeah. And then you have Michelle Williams who plays a district attorney. Well, she's not a district. She's a lawyer. Then she becomes a district attorney who doesn't have a problem with the fact that this Carlton Drake has has a fucking past, you know, and she defends him. You know, and it doesn't matter what we say or what we do. You know, there's nothing that we can do. That's that's the whole thing behind it. There's nothing we can do. And then, you know, and, and then you have the introduction of Riot. You have the introduction of Venom, um, the Cletus Cassidy thing. and <clears throat> And you have... You have this whole entire thing taking place in San Francisco, and some of it's fun. Some of it is really good fun. Yeah, some of the action's pretty cool. <laughs> the banter between Hardy and and uh, Venom is is fun because Venom is he's he's an adolescent. Let's just call it that. He's young. Yeah, and or he's he's still learning the system. You know, he wants to eat people's faces off, but you know, can't do that. And it feels like. It really feels like that they've strayed away from this character to make him a superhero because that's what's popular. Yeah, the the whole thing that they've done with Maleficent and 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 Frankenstein and Dracula, where they're they're the they're these misunderstood heroes, right? I don't see where they're doing that with Frankenstein. Uh, I Frankenstein, remember that? Yeah, but they tried. It was this. It was part of the trend. Um, where they trying to make him this good guy who was you know trying to stop evil and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I see where you're going with that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's just look, let Venom be Venom. Stop turning him into a buddy. 
<laughs> you know, that's that's the problem. It's just like with the Suicide Squad, man. They, you know, you don't, you, you can't turn the worst of the worst into these fucking misunderstood bad guys who, you know, they just made a wrong turn here and there. You know, like Deadshot's just trying to take care of his daughter, you know, and all this shit. It's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. These guys are, these guys are Suicide Squad for a reason. Venom is Venom for a reason. And to turn him into this nice guy who just fucks up and stuff like this and then he's going to control him. It just, no, it just, that's like trying to turn the Joker into a misunderstood guy. You, you don't fuck with Joker either. Joe, you know, it, it, I'm glad that no one's ever tried to turn the Joker into a good guy that I'm aware of. I mean, you've read a lot more of his stuff than I have, so I, I maybe, but maybe someone's tried too, where he becomes an anti-hero. No. But, um, but yeah, that's that another big problem with this movie. You have Venom without Spider-Man. It doesn't make sense. You've got to have at least an introduction from Spider-Man or something. It, for him to be Venom without there being Spider-Man, that just shits on the, you know, the, the mythology, you know? I mean, the only thing that they, you know, I mean, you know, and then they throw, they, it's just like throwaway where, oh, yeah, yeah, I was from New York, but it just didn't work out there, so now I'm here. So they try to add validity to his character by saying he's from New York and shit and give him a New York accent, but that's not enough. He needs to be from Spider-Man, you know? Otherwise, you're just, you're insulting, you know, fans. Interesting. How's this for uh, a little... Uh Completing the circle. The symbiote was first introduced as Spider-Man's new black costume in Amazing Spider-Man 252 as part of a story called Homecoming. <laughs> the story takes place after Spider-Man returns from the series, the, the, the Secret Wars series, where he obtains the costume. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going through. Yeah, so Eddie Brock um, is a Daily Globe reporter who worked on the Sin Eater case. And his career was ruined when it was discovered that the man Brock announced as the Sin Eater was a compulsive confessor. Um, which, I mean, it's kind of a dumb thing, but whatever. So he's forced to eat out a living, writing lurid stories for venomous tabloids. Brock blamed Spider-Man for his predicament. He took up bodybuilding to reduce stress, and that failed to do so. He sank into a suicidal depression, seeking solace at the church where Spider-Man repelled the symbiote. The symbiote, sensing Brock's hatred for Spider-Man, bonded with the disgraced reporter. Brock took on the name of Venom, and over the years, as the symbiote gained more intelligence and moved to additional human hosts, the name began to apply to the symbiote as well as its hosts. As Venom, Brock fights Spider-Man many times, winning on occasion. Uh, Venom repeatedly tries to kill Parker, but when the latter was in and out of costume, both when the latter was in and out of costume, thus Parker is forced to abandon his black costume when the symbiote has had been mimicking after Venom confronts Parker's wife, Mary Jane. Um, so, and then when the symbiote... Re- so the symbiote and Brock are are uh, separated. The symbiote returns to Brock, who was in Rikers Island at the time, and leaves a spawn to bar- bond with Brock's psychotic serial killer, Cletus Cassidy. Venom and Spider-Man fight on a deserted island, blah, 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 blah. Um, after being incarcerated, Venom is used to create five new symbiotes, which are all paired with human hosts. So that's the idea behind Venom. My, the, my biggest problem with this, with, with this story that they have with the movie is <clears throat> why not make a reference to Secret Wars? Why, you know, they're on a comet. 
The creature that would become Venom was born to a race of extraterrestrial symbiotes, which lived by possessing the bodies of other life forms. The parasites would endow their victims with enhanced physical abilities at the cost of fatally draining them of adrenaline. According to the 95 Planet of the Symbiote storyline, the Venom symbiote was deemed insane by its own race after it was discovered that it desired to commit to its host rather than use it up. The symbiote was then imprisoned on Battleworld to ensure it did not pollute the species' gene pool. The symbiote bonds with its new host, the Siri. Blah 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 blah. So instead of instead of draining their host, he he would rather use it, you know, to, which makes I mean it makes sense in the movie. That's what they alluded to in the movie. Yeah, but like it was actually a choice. It wasn't accidentally, you know, as a side effect, eating up the organs of its host. Instead, it actually was choosing to do so. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's like a, you knew I was a rattlesnake, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then um, Riot. I'm not even familiar with Riot. Yeah, there's a bunch of different um, symbiote. Um. Venom Lethal Protector Number Four is where Riot. So Scream, Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Riot. In an attempt to create super cops, the Life Foundation probed the Venom symbiote and extracted the last five of its seeds, the material used to create its spawn. These were cultured and bonded to to five of the Life Foundation's best security personnel to form the Guardians, Donna Diego, Carl Mock, Leslie Jesneria, Trevor Cole, and Ramon or yeah, Ramon Hernandez. In the comics, none, none of the five symbiotes were originally given names, <laughs> um, but their toys were, so that's how that came about. Um, there's hybrid. So... <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, see, this would have been a much more interesting version of Venom. So Venom was introduced in Marvel's Superhero Secret Wars number 8. Um, Mac Gargan then went on to be the symbiote's host for a while later. It was required, acquired by the government and was being used by Flash Thompson under the alias Agent Venom until it separated from Flash and moved on to Lee Price, only to eventually return to Eddie Brock. None of these people were killed um, while, while Venom was while they were hosting Venom. It is revealed in Venom First Host that a Kree soldier named Talcar is chronologically the first wearer of the suit before Spider-Man. That would have been cool to have told that story. Yeah. And then you have Carnage, who... You know, uh, Carnage is a child spawn of Venom bonded to, to, to Cletus Cassidy. And, you know, they're trying to bond all these people and blah, 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 and, and you know, use... But in order to, in order to do that, I mean... Uh, I this just, is why this is why Marvel Studio, Studios needs to get back to all their Spider-Man properties because because they would have done this much better. They would have handled this much much better. Yeah, I mean Carlton Drake again. Carlton Drake was created by Michelin and McFarlane. He's the leader of Life Foundation. Is constantly at odds with Spider-Man and Venom. And they decided to make him right instead. Yeah, yeah. Drake hires Chance to steal European armaments. Drake and his men transport Chance to. His survivalist facility, Sanctum Maximus, and demand that Chance tells tell the suits. Uh, see this uh, again. Here's here's the fucking story right here. By removing Spider Man from it, but you still do it. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, there's everybody's in the fucking. I mean, look, if you wanted to do a solo Venom movie, you could have at least started off where it, it's in New York or something, and and he, you know, he has problems with with Peter Parker. And then Parker, I, I, you, you just do something. You, you know, it's tied up with the with the whole black suit and all that stuff. Or 
or at least if uh, Eddie gets the symbiote right before he leaves New York or something, and it looks, it sees Spider Man or something, and it just mimics it. Something, you just do something. But it, instead, it just, oh no, yeah, just, it, there's no such thing, Spider Man. We're good. Well, they never said there's no such thing as Spider Man. Well, might as well, you know. I'm not acknowledging him at all. I thought they were going to at least have him walk by a poster with a spider on and go, hey, that looks nice, and then fucking make a spider appear on his chest. <laughs> Something stupid. Just, the movie's already done. Don't make it any dumber. <laughs> might as well go all. Might as well go full retard, man. This is this is the story that they should have used if you take out Spider Man. <clears throat> Drake hires Chance, who is uh, is a mercenary and enemy of Spider Man. Okay, mm. um, to steal European armaments. Drake and his men transport Chance to a survivalist facility, Sanctum Maximus, and demand that Chance tell the suit's secrets. Uh, this is for uh, Venom. Uh, Spider-Man arrives to rescue Chance, and the two destroy the facility while Drake escapes via helicopter. You could still even show that, and you don't even have to make mention of Spider-Man. You could just show another person leaving the facility. Drake escapes. He teams up with a foreign assassin, uh, Chicane, in a plot to assassinate the king of Sim- Simcaria. <laughs> he presents his new project, dubbed the Protector's Super Enhanced Mindless Mutates, whom he, or mutants, whom he uses against Spider-Man, Paladin, and the Silver Sable. Afterwards, Drake helps rever- rebuild the Tri-Sentinel, is a fictional robot, for the protection of his clientele and decides to do a field test by pitting Tri-Sentinel against Spider-Man and Nova, which you can't use those two characters. You would have to come up with two other characters. However, the Tri-Sentinel is unresponsive to Drake's controls and goes on a rampage. With nothing else to lose, Drake and his men gather all the data, and he once again invades capture. He briefly teams up with Justin Hammer hmm. and Jonas Hale in an effort to steal superpowers for their own nefarious purposes, but are stopped by Spider-Man and the New Warriors. God bless America. God bless Iron Man. Drake next tries to go after Eddie Brock to create more symbiote children. He takes a sample of the Venom symbiote and creates five new symbiotes using top security personnel, Scream, Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Riot. His symbiote enforcers are all defeated by Spider-Man and Venom, forcing Drake to once again scrub the facility and escape while realizing Spider-Man is more troublesome than he believed. Then he, find, then he funds the Arachnus Project in an attempt to create a race of homo arachnus and to potentially cure his cancer. He has Spider-Man captured and forces imprisoned Professor Toshiro Makashi to use Spider-Man's blood for the Arachnus Project. Um, his partner, Roland Treese, injects... <laughs> him with the serum. Treese knows full well that the serum has to be ingested and Drake having a vaccine injection would be an instant death. Instead, Drake transforms into a spider, calling himself Homo Arachnus. And then he destroys the facility, killing many of its employees. It takes the combined efforts of Spider-Man, Venom, and the jury to send him falling beneath the facility. He wakes back up to normal and noticeably younger looking. However, he still feels his cancer and vows to have his revenge. That's Carlton Drake. Um, Do you know who Roland Treese was in the fucking movie? No. The fucking Bill Burr-looking dude, the head of security. Right. So it's like, it's they, so because they throw all these these real names and, you know, organizations that were in the comic, they just throw them all in here to make it all seem valid. It's just more bullshit because they're still not doing any of it right. Yeah, and th- that's that's my problem with this whole fucking movie is that <laughs> they, they, they set it in San Francisco instead of New York or wherever Eddie Brock is supposed to be. And uh, this this is what it comes down to. I'm going to read this. So Eddie Brock was intended to only briefly appear in Spider-Man. 
but became a major villain as Brock and Venom producer. Because I'm sorry, as Brock and Venom, because Avi Arad felt the series that Sam Raimi was working on had relied too much on director Sam Raimi's personal favorite Spider-Man villains and not characters that modern fans were actually interested in. Raimi had been hesitant to explore the character due to his lack of humanity. Arad revealed plans for the spinoff film back in July of 2007. It only took 11 years. Can you believe that? And that's why he didn't go on to do part four. Yeah. It's because of Avi Arad. It's because of producers sticking their goddamn hands into projects that they shouldn't be doing. Let the creators create, and you just produce it. Yeah. If it can't be done, then you say it can't be done. Yeah, the studio got in the way <laughs> of Spider-Man 3 big time. They, 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 they wanted more and more villains. Yeah, I mean, let... I mean, I think Raimi would know what he's doing when he's making a film about his favorite character... And he goes, okay, we're, I want to do my favorite villains. Get another fucking director to do whatever else. Yeah. You know, but let me do my thing. Yeah, I mean, because when he, he was planning on doing a four and five back to back, and um, I believe Bruce Campbell was going, he had Bruce Campbell in mind to play Mysterio. Yeah. That would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, and they're working on the Mysterio one right now, by the way. Are they? Yeah, so the next Spider-Man movie that's coming out, which is... Um, Far From Home. Far From Home. Yeah. Uh, that's Mysterio. <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, it'd be cool if they, uh, you know, bring in Bruce Campbell. But they're they not going to bring in Bruce won't. Campbell. They won't. They won't. Uh, I can't remember who's playing. Jake Gyllenhaal or something like that. Ah, that's funny because Gyllenhaal was going to be uh, Tobey Maguire's replacement because um, there was a chance Tobey Maguire wasn't going to come back for Spider-Man 2 because he got a back injury, which there's an inside joke in that movie when he falls and he goes, my back, my back. <laughs> it fucking points at that. Um <clears throat> Yeah, you know what? I and I look. I don't know if it was fully Raimi's fault about the way Venom turned out in Spider-Man Three, but I remember him saying that he wanted to do, um, he wanted Venom to be a doppelganger of uh, Spider-Man instead. That's why he didn't make him large. He wanted someone to be the same. He wanted Eddie Brock to be the same size as Peter Parker and all this shit. And I, it bugged the fuck out of me because it just it takes away from the fundamentals of what that character's supposed to be, and the character's supposed to be an opposite, not supposed to be the same. You know, very similar. It, it, you know, you can find another way for for Peter Parker to fight against his own demons. You know, without changing any Brock. But whatever, I it's over with. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm done. I'm I I was done being pissed off about Spider Man Three a long time ago. So yeah, but it is disappointing because you know I, I I thought that Sam Raimi was going in a really good direction overall. So whatever. Yeah, I'm just I'm not impressed with this movie. I mean, there are very few things about this movie that I like. Um, the interplay between Hardy and uh, and Venom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a one man show. I, I like the actor who played Doctor Dan as well, the boyfriend. Yeah, he was really cool. He was like, he was like you you want to hate him, but you can't hate him because he's a really cool fucking dude. Well, like all the non Venomy stuff. You know, like when when he's still trying to cope with the venom thing, yeah. And he goes into the restaurant and he eats the lobster, yeah. And he's he's testing out all. He doesn't like cooked food, yeah. Or you know, he, he um, like I was reading a review of, of Venom before I went and saw the movie because there was an interesting part in it where um, the writer said that he Tom Hardy as Venom was I want to say he was walking around the streets of the, of the city, yeah. And he was hungry and decided to uh, eat raw chicken from from a, a garbage can. Yeah. But in the movie, 
he didn't eat raw chicken from a garbage can. No, it was cooked chicken. It was cooked chicken. But then he threw it up. Right. And he says, and that was really graphic the way he threw it up. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> expecting expecting that. Have they not seen Pulp Fiction? <laughs> ex- expecting the the the, uh, the scene to unfold as I'm as we're watching it. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy just fucking. I don't know if this guy even fucking saw the movie. Yeah. You know, he just saw clips of it, or 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 was told about it, and you know. Half the shit that he's writing about doesn't even come true. Maybe he read an early draft script. <laughs> it's possible. And he's just basing it all off of that. I don't. This movie has made three hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah, it's a hit. The movie's a fucking hit. But I, you know, I, that I, I, I don't. I, I, I guess maybe I sound like an asshole, but I, I don't want it to be a hit because I, I, how the fuck are they going to learn to quit fucking around with these properties? If they keep making money off of them. It's like, why change it if you're going to make money on it, right? Just like with Transformers. Why fucking change it if you keep making a billion dollars per film? So, I, you know, I mean, good for Tom Hardy. I'm glad that, you know, he's still a, a good box office draw and everything. But God damn it, man. Yeah. Marvel Studios is not involved with this film and does not plan to integrate it with the MCU. But Sony does consider it to be set in the same world as MCU films. No, it's not, Sony. Yeah, no. Sorry. No. And I, I can't wait for, for Marvel to get all of their shit back because, look, I don't care how much money this fucking movie's made. It's garbage. Oh, it's not garbage. I mean, but it's not <laughs> it's not Independence Day bad. No. But it's it's far from... It's not Fantastic Four 2015 bad either. Yeah. It's it's X-Men... Apocalypse? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse had some really good moments, but... I'd, but it was counteracted by shitty ass things too. That, that's what made it suck. Like Days of Future Past. It's about equivalent to Days of Future Past. You didn't like Days of Future Past? I loved it. No, it was. Huh. There's a lot of problems. Again, fundamentally changing characters and removing characters to add in other characters just because. I'm sorry. Like making they, Wolverine be the one who goes back in time and right. shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's it, no. To appeal to the masses. Yes. To be more marketable because Kitty Pride isn't marketable enough. All right. I got you. I, I understand. Because, you know, you, you wouldn't want to push a character that that uh, is kind of a background character but still important. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. I, and I mean, Kitty Pride is just as important as any other character in, in the X-Men fr- franchise, but they only push the important ones because Wolverine makes money. Yeah, he's marketable. Why can't you have a female do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're trying to a Dark Phoenix, which... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, I, I, I probably uh I think you said you were gonna give it what a three? Three or four. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm I'm about at a four with the movie because I, I didn't hate it. I mean well yeah, I didn't hate it. I just nah. Eh, I don't I don't care if I ever see Venom again. I, I don't. Even though there's some redemptive qualities to it, there there's nowhere near enough for it. So Yep. Um, you know, I, I, it's cool to see Woody Harrelson. You know, he's going to play Carnage, probably, Maybe. possibly. But you know, still, they'll just fuck that up too, just like with Ninja Turtles. They, they you know, they, you know, they, just because you get a couple things right, the overall, you didn't get enough right at all. So, um, all right, uh, shit, news wise, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> all right, um, the uh, the the teaser trailer for Aladdin came out um, mm. recently, and look, I'm not. Normally for all these live action redos of uh, Disney classics, but Aladdin has always held a special place in my heart. I don't, 
Um, I just, I've always loved that movie. Even when Lion King came out and did way better than Aladdin did, and more people loved Lion King more than Aladdin, I was like, fuck you all. Aladdin is the shit. Kiss my ass. And even though Lion King is awesome, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but there's something about Who's this movie. Who's a big pig, too? Who? <laughs> <laughs> but there is a part there is a part of me that that wants to see the, see this movie. I do want to see the live action Aladdin, you know. Pass. So, um, you know, Will Smith is going to play the genie and and uh I don't know who else. Everyone else, I the whole the rest of the cast is uh, is is Indian. So, um, you know what? Good for them that they're not, you know, fucking whitewashing a bunch of people. <laughs> like like they did with uh with Gods of Egypt or what was it Gods and uh, Gods and Kings? I'm gonna wait for this one. So I, it's, it's I, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah. So I, um, I definitely, I do, I do want to see this because of, I, there's a sentimental, you know, connection with me to this movie. So I, yeah. Nope. Pass. Yeah, but yeah, if it sucks, I won't be surprised. Like I, I, you know, like you probably see this Aladdin live action the way that I probably see the the Beauty and the ba- Beast movie live action that they did. No, I'm waiting for Matt Bush's Aladdin 3477 to come out, which he's been working on for almost 10 years. And this movie was supposed to... Let's see, what did he say? Look at that. Ugh, just show me the fucking picture. Um, <coughs> I don't know when this movie is supposed to be finished with production and stuff like that, but I do know that he had mentioned that I'm glad that our movie's not coming out right now um, because let Disney do theirs first. Yeah. And then we'll do ours. Well, <clears throat> Matt Bush is, what can I say? Um, he's a painter. He started off painting. So there's some of his stuff right there. That's one of his pictures. Anyways, he's doing this Aladdin 3477, which is kind of Star Wars-y, kind of whatever. But Matt Bush is, that's not how you spell his name. Yeah, that's what I mean, Matt Bush. He's a professor of media and communications arts at Macomb Community College. <coughs> Uh, illustration, art, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He is basically called the rock star of illustration. He's done every everything from rock stars to uh, Star Wars. He's he, he paints. That's a painting. Damn. Yeah. So, not bad. Yeah, not bad. What the fuck do you want me to give the guy a blowjob? Yeah. What the fuck? Yes, you should. <laughs> the guy is amazing. I'm showing Joe some of his pictures. We survived because of me. Anyways, truly, he's he's. You can see some of his uh, artwork on YouTube. Um, he he does tutorials and whatnot. But long story short, is come on. I really wanted to see. I I want to see Aladdin thirty four seventy seven more than I want to see anything else. So, so uh, you you have no idea when it's going to come out though. No, not yet. No release date. I'm assuming next year. <coughs> Anyways. All right. So yeah, uh, in May of next year, I'll uh, plan on sometime seeing that movie. Uh, all right. Then the the full trailer for Glass came out. Um, still looks interesting as fuck, man. It looks fucking awesome. Looks badass. Uh, oh, did you want to do trivia? Are we gonna do the trivia for Venom? <laughs> Venom. So, uh, besides portraying Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy also provided the voice and physical stand-in for several scenes of Venom. You didn't read the first one? Yeah. Do I have to? We're just going to go in in that order? We're not going to pick? All right. Tom Hardy's son, Louis Thomas, is a fan of Venom, and Hardy took to the role so to please him. 
I wanted to do something my son could watch, so I did something where I bite people's heads off. Lewis also guided his father on how to appropriately portray Brock slash Venom, since Hardy didn't know the character very well. Tom Hardy describes Venom as a tragic clown. There's something funny about the circumstances of having a tragic gift. It's a superpower you don't really want, but at the same time you love it. It makes you feel special. He's both a reluctant hero and an anti-hero. These, these aren't trivia. These are fucking quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hardy recorded his lines for, Venom, for the Venom symbiote during pre, pre-production, and they were played back to the actor through an earpiece on, on set during scenes where Brock and the symbiote talked to each other. Jameson, the astronaut who survived the crash in the opening sequence, is the son of J. Jonah Jameson, editor of the Daily Bugle and a public critic of Supermus. What the fucking Spider-Man? <laughs> the Venom symbiote recommends chocolate. According to the 1995 miniseries Venom, The Hunger, symbiotes need a chemical called phenethylamine, which is available in brains and chocolate. Hmm, that's food for thought. <laughs> Tom Hardy considers Venom the coolest Marvel hero because he has a brazen swagger and a zero foxtrot attitude. There's more fucking quotes. Who gives a shit? All right. Um, Anne reminds Eddie of his firing from the Daily Globe and his being forced to leave New York. In the Spider-Man comics, Eddie was a reporter for the Daily Globe, a rival newspaper of the Daily Bugle. In the comic, a serial killer known as the Sin Eater was going around and murdering people. Eddie interviewed a man who claimed to be the Sin Eater, but eventually Spider-Man caught the real Sin Eater, and it was discovered that the man interviewed Eddie interviewed was a compulsive confessor. Eddie and was subsequently fired from his job because of this, and shortly after becoming Venom, moved to San Francisco. Sure. Uh, there we go. Tom Hardy cites the Ren and Stimpy show as an influence on the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom. Psh, you stupid idiot! I always saw Venom as a lounge lizard and Eddie Brock as an everyday kind of guy who, who's inherited this massive ego beast. Guys. All right. Nan Wayne works for a law firm called Michelini and McFarlane. Did I say the name right? It's Michelini, yeah. Okay. There, these are the names of Venom's creators. Uh, I'm not saying their names again. All Dave, right. Michelini, and Todd McFarlane. There you go. All right. Um, Tom Hardy based his performance as Eddie Brock slash Venom on three actors. Woody Allen... The tortured neurosis and all the humor that can come from that. Martial arts f- fighter Conor McGregor, the taste and capability for uber violence. And Red Man, out of control, living rent free in his head. Who's Red Man? The rapper? Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> Jackie Earl Haley expressed interest in playing the role of Carnage. I could totally see that. Totally. Um, originally, Tom Hardy was going to portray Venom in a motion capture visual effect. But the plan was scrapped because the facial features could not be imitated. Your eyes and teeth and tongue are not going to match with this, and you need a seven-foot-tall basketball player in a Lycra suit for the physical shots. Venom is fully computer graphics imagery in the film, like Spawn. Uh, However, Tom Hardy did perform as Venom on camera in the costume of Brock, over which Venom was animated in keyframe to match the movements and stunts of Hardy. All right. uh, One more. Let's do one more. It was rumored that Life is a prequel to this film, as the two movie trailers shared some stock footage, though that rumor was later debunked. Goddamn right it was. All right. Uh, anything else? You want to add anything? Uh, huh. In 2017, Marvel producer Kevin Feig 
uh, confirmed that the movie would not be set in the Marvel Cinematics Universe. However, Amy Pascal contradicted this by saying it would. It was later announced that same month that Venom is its own universe. <laughs> Good job, Amy. <laughs> You're fine. Walton Goggins, Jim Carrey, and Cameron Monaghan were top fan picks. Oh, cares? I thought... Find this movie deplorable. Uh, yeah, see. Jenny Slate's character, Dora Skirth, is an original character exclusive to the movie. Wow. Uh, Venom's lines, uh, eyes, lungs, pancreas, so many snacks, no, so little time comes from Amazing Spider-Man 374. That's more insulting that they add all these little things from the comic book into this, and then they still can't do the big things right. Josh Trank was negotiating with Sony about his interest in directing this film in 2012. <laughs> Couldn't have done any worse. God. All right. What's going on with him lately, anyway? <laughs> Does anybody know? He's hanging out with Troy Duffy. Yeah. They're having coffee. All well, right. Well, Troy Duffy's doing something. He's working on the... Uh, Third the, one? No. He's working on a miniseries. Is it about them? Is I've it, talked about this. I, I, yeah, it's just so much shit, dude. I, yeah, it's a prequel. Fuck Fucking Duffy. All right. Um, all right. Uh, I'm not really big on biopics, but I'll tell you what. This trailer for um, this new movie coming out uh, on Christmas called Vice, where it has um, Sam Rockwell playing George W. Bush and Christian Bale, who gained 40 pounds for the role, playing Cheney. And holy fucking shit, dude. Just off of this trailer... Christian Bale might be at the top of my list of favorite actor right now. That's how fucking good this trailer is. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. I want you. You're my vice. Well, George, I, uh, I'm the CEO of a large company. And I have been Secretary of Defense. And I have been White House. Chief of Staff. The Vice Presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh-huh. However, if we came to a uh, different understanding, I can handle the more mundane jobs overseeing bureaucracy, military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. have power, people will always try to take it from you, always. Are you even more ruthless than you used to be? So we're going to do this thing or what? I mean, is this happening? I believe we can make this work. <laughs> Hot damn. When that motherfucker commits to a role, he commits to a goddamn role. <laughs> Have you ever seen The Machinist where he lost all that weight? Where he was, yeah. yeah. Goddamn. He just does the complete. I mean, his health is probably going to be for shit. You know, that's not good. I, I, there's something I read where it's that's not good for you to, to do that for roles. Uh, but 
shit, man. I tell you what, I guess when you're a multimillionaire, who gives a shit, right? When you got Batman money. <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah, so Vice comes out uh, Christmas, man, and uh, I, I'm definitely interested in seeing it because of all the uh, performances. I mean, it's got, it's got Rockwell and, and Carell in there and shit, so, um, yeah. All right, uh, and then it's done by McKay, who um, also did The Big Short, and I, I did that as a flick of the week, and that, I fucking love that movie, the style of it, so I, I can see this movie having the same similar style. All right, um, the the Pet Cemetery remake, I forgot they were even doing this, but uh, the trailer for that came out, and... Uh, you know, it's got some interesting actors in there. Just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so many trees. It's beautiful, right? It's definitely not Boston. Here we go. Okay, so, what do you think? Wow, this whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard. Kids used to dare each other to go into the woods at night. They knew the power of that place. They feared it. Those woods belong to something else. There's a scene in the book that is terrifying, and it's when uh, the dad, I think it's the dad, mm-hmm. goes into the pet cemetery for the first time that he hears about it when... Gage dies? No. This is before Gage dies. Okay. He goes into the pet cemetery because he's been walking oh, around the, the cat. That's right. Okay. And he hears this thumping sound as it gets nearer and nearer, but he... he all you can imagine is the f- the feet of a giant that you can never see. Yeah. But he doesn't know what it is. That scene right there, that, as Stephen King wrote it, is horrifying in its simplicity. Yeah. Like the topiary scene in uh, The Shining in the book. Uh, the way he described it, man, it was fucking scary. No, yeah, but this is this is different. This is this is just more dark. Yeah, it's like psychologically fucking with you through word. Yeah. So. No, nah, he's really good at it's at storytelling, man. I haven't read Pet Cemetery, but it's one of those novels that I plan on reading someday because I want to read all of his shit. So, um I got a few of his books that I haven't read yet in my uh in my collection, but uh yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, look, the movie from 1989, uh that movie fucked with me cuz I was only I was what 
It was 11 when I, when I, when I saw it, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> that was one of those movies that stayed with me for days after watching it, and I, I couldn't turn away from it, just like when watching Night of the Living Dead for the first time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, going back and watching it now, there's not, not, it's not that big of a deal, but holy shit, man. I remember that feeling, though, when I was a kid. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do want to see this, but it, it, it just... I, I'm always afraid of that trend, right? You know that the trend because you know, right now it's the doing all redoing all Stephen King stuff. So either it's going to be good or it's not going to be good. But I mean, I, I, I Stephen don't King controls the rights to everything. So if it then this this looks fucking amazing, especially you know the scene where the truck drives by the first time. Yeah, holy shit! <laughs> I'm like, that is exactly how I saw it in the book. Is it? Okay. Yeah, good. So. Good. All right. Yeah. So I, you know, John Lithgow playing the uh, the Fred Herman role, uh-huh. <laughs> or Fred Gwynn. Sorry, Fred Gwynn role, not Herman Herman Monster. All right. So yeah, um, that one's gonna come out in April of next year. And then uh, let's see, uh, the Flash. The Flash movie is getting delayed till uh, probably twenty twenty one. I don't care because of uh, you know because because of Warner Brothers. Because <laughs> uh, I guess uh, their lead actor Ezra Miller also has commitments to the the um, Fantastic Beasts franchise and other stuff. But um, in that same news, um, you know, with all this shit, is that uh, also James Gunn is going to be, um, he's, he's been hired on to write and possibly um, also uh, direct the Suicide Squad sequel. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, uh, was it, uh, Batista has already s- said that he's interested in coming over there and working on it with him if uh, he wants him. And then, uh, and it's also been confirmed by Warner Brothers that um, they are not planning on move, making any more movie Batman and Superman movies with Cavill and, and Affleck. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I, I mean, look, who really gives a shit, right? When it all boils down to it, because they fucked it up anyway. So, yep. might as well start over and fuck it up some more. All right. Uh, Tim Story is going to be directing a live action Tom and Jerry movie. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So the Tom and Jerry, of course, are going to be uh, CG, but the rest of the, the but they'll be in the real world. So we'll see about that one. Um, Iron Fist got canceled after two seasons. Yeah, second season was definitely an improvement on the first one. The first one was boring as fuck. Um, the second one was watchable and, and entertaining at times, um, but still not great. Still not Daredevil level. Still not Jessica Jones level. Um, and then I would say Luke Cage level, but I don't even remember Luke Cage. Luke Cage isn't even that good. So. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, but the, the, the actor who plays Danny Rand, he says that he's going to come back, you know, he'll, he'll come back in the other shows and anyway, whatever. Luke Cage didn't even show up in this fucking season. Like they're supposed to be best friends now and shit. And he didn't show up one time in the whole fucking thing. It was, I, I don't know, whatever. They know what they're doing, I guess, or maybe they don't. Uh, Disney and Fox deal is going to be, uh, according to reports, they're going to be, the deal is going to be completely done by New Year's Day. So a lot of people thought it was going to be the middle of next year, but apparently they've gotten it done a lot quicker. So everything will be completely finalized by the end of the year so that, uh, you know, those reshoots, you know what I mean? Too late for reshoots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell that to uh, Peter Jackson when he did uh, reshoots uh, less than a month before Return of the King came out. Um, I think that's all I got. That's all I got for news. And how did Return of the King turn out? Amazing, one Oscar Best Picture, and it, um, at the the time it came out, it was the second highest grossing film worldwide of all time. With reshoots done a month prior. Yeah, but they were they were minor. They were very minor. So they reshoots. weren't reshoots; they were pickups. 
Oh, that's right. Those are pickup shots. I, I don't remember what they called them. They, they, yeah, they might have called them pickup shots, but I mean, everybody does pickup shots, re, reshoots, and all that shit all the time. So, no, reshoot is doing an entire scene all over again. Okay. Pickup shot is anything that has to be just picked up. Maybe a scene or with with an actor or dialogue. Yeah, show like a that. building or yeah, yeah, or a prop. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, like I, they still. I, I'm pretty sure they they've had plenty of plans for how they're going to do this. If this goes this way, if this goes this way, that way, whatever. They know what the fuck they're doing. So, who gives a shit? You know, it's going to be entertaining. I want it to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that there's going to be any X Men in the Avengers. Yeah, I look. I, I I want it to be, but I I don't know how they could do it without it seeming like they're just cramming it in there just to cram it in anyway. So I'll just look. They know what the fuck they're doing, and we'll see how it turns out. And hopefully, it's it's amazing. So all right. Um, shit. I think that's all we got. Next one. Um, we're gonna see as either we're gonna see. Uh, do we want to do catch up and do bad times, or do you want to do uh Halloween? I don't care. Well, Halloween's gonna it's projection. Then to fucking one. pick one. I say we do bad times because Halloween will definitely be out next weekend. Next week because it's predicted to make projected to make sixty five million its first weekend. All right. So, all right. So we'll do bad times at the El Royale, which is getting good reviews. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll check that one out and uh, we'll let you know how uh, awesome it is. All right. So fuck off. <laughs>